So what, what is language? Language is, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, a systematic means of communicating ideas or feelings by use of conventionalized signs, sounds, gestures, or marks having understood meanings. So what does this mean? Well, the dictionary tells us that language is the ability to communicate to one another using agreed-upon social standards as the tools to communicate. The tools that we communicate with primarily in this culture are words. So we use words to communicate meaning to one another. Communication is how we relate to one another, how we understand one another. When I communicate to Stephen Martin, who is sitting right back there, when I communicate to Stephen Martin that he's a fantastic beard, he says, thank you. Well, why does he say thank you? Because society has agreed that we think fantastic is a good thing. It's a compliment. So we agree socially that fantastic is a good word. Stephen then understands my sentence to be a compliment. Well, what happens when we do not agree on definitions of words? Well, that brings us to today. Today, we discuss Mormonism. And I think, having experienced conversations with with Mormons, um, the biggest obstruction to having a meaningful discussion with Mormons is, is, is the meaning gap. Uh, what I mean is that we, we, as groups, we use the same words. We can use words such as salvation, such as grace, Jesus Christ, God the Father, even the Holy Spirit. We have the exact same vocabulary, and yet how communication, how language breaks down between the two groups is that we mean vastly different things when we say these words. But if the tools mean different things to different people, we will find ourselves unable to communicate. Imagine my surprise if I walked up to Stephen and I said, Stephen, you have a fantastic beard. And he slapped me in the face and said, well, that was rude. Well, I would be hurt, one, because he slapped me in the face. But the, the, the meaning gap, the, the, the breakdown there is that he understands fantastic to be something different than I understand fantastic to be. Whereas I set out to give him a compliment, he thought I was saying something mean. So we understand fantastic to be two different things. Therefore, communication breaks down. Similarly, with Mormons, we have to make sure that we agree on what things mean when we use certain words. The biggest challenge is we share, with, share the gospel with Mormons is definitional. We agree on words, but we do not agree on the definition of those words. Today, in particular, I hope you guys have handouts. I think Corey handed the, handed the handouts out. Uh, we're going to look at three words and understand what these words mean in Mormon doctrine and in Christian doctrine. Uh, these three words, if you'll, if you'll look with me, it's, it's God, grace, and gospel. These three words are incredibly popular in these uh, two religions, and we're going to look at how the, the meaning differ, is different and thus creates two different religions. So first, we begin with God. And if you'll notice, there's a parenthesis and an S and a closed parenthesis, and we'll get to that in a second. So who then is God, according to Mormon doctrine? Perhaps it would be, it would be helpful to distinguish uh, that Mormons worship a God named Elohim. And, and we have that name in Genesis. God reveals himself as Elohim. Uh, it is also important to distinguish Elohim, the eternal father, from Jehovah, who is believed to be Jesus. Though we, both fi- we find both names in the Bible, we as Christians believe Jehovah and Elohim 
to be the same God. Simply just different names for the God of the Bible. And though we would look to the Bible to understand who God is, Mormons have other texts called the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, and Doctrines and Covenants. More than just their texts, they also have experiences that they use to, uh, to understand God. Similar to Muslims, they believe that their understanding of God, their experience of God, is the reclaiming of the original understanding of God in Christianity. And we'll get to the, the reclaiming part a little bit later. A Mormon scholar named Stephen Robinson lived in the 20th century, still alive today, but wrote primarily in the 20th century. In an article that is published on Brigham Young University's library, writes, In church theology, the doctrine of the nature of God is established more clearly by the first vision of the prophet of Joseph Smith than by anything else. What he says here is that more than the Old Testament, more than the New Testament, more than any other religion, Joseph Smith's vision that he had of God is, is, it helps us understand God more than everything else that's come before. So, so what happened in this first vision? Well, Joseph Smith, when he, he was out in the woods and he was praying, he believed himself to have had a vision of God the Father. The heavens split open, and Joseph Smith saw God the Father, and he saw God the Son. Now, an important distinction that Joseph Smith makes is that God the Father has a body of flesh and bone, and Jesus Christ has a body of flesh and bone. So what Joseph Smith is doing here is he's rejecting the Trinity. He's saying that these are two distinct beings. If you remember last week when we talked about the Trinity, the language we used was one being that exists in three persons. Joseph Smith is saying that there are two beings. So backtracking just a little bit, if you guys aren't aware of this, Joseph Smith is Mormonism's foremost, most important prophet They believe that he's the prophet of this dispensation, this dispensation being the restoration, the restoring of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. So he lived in the 19th century. Mormonism was founded mid-19th century. It's kind of taken off since then. It's a fairly young religion. But Joseph Smith's understanding of God is is quite different than how we understand God. For the past about 2,000 years, we've understood God to be a trinity, one God, Now what Joseph Smith is doing is he's asserting that the Father and the Son are two different beings. Well, that means that there are two gods. So Mormons are not, like us, polytheistic. Sorry, Mormons are monotheistic. Guys, I'm messing this up. I apologize. Mormons are polytheistic. Christians are monotheistic. We believe in one God. They believe in multiple gods. Joseph Smith says that the Father and the Son are two distinct beings. If you remember last week, uh, we, again, we, we as Christians understand this is entirely different. So this moves us into a more troubling uh, part of Mormonism as it relates to Christianity, again, is polytheism. Polytheism is defined as the belief in multiple gods. Joseph Smith says, I have always declared God to be a distinct personage, Jesus Christ, a separate and distinct personage from God the Father, and that the Holy Spirit was a distinct personage and a spirit. And these three constitute three distinct personages and three gods. When we would point to John 17, where Jesus says that I and the Father are one, they would say that that simply means that Jesus and the Father are one in purpose, that their unison is not deity, but purpose. 
when talking with Mormons, we, gently, we need to push them to John 17 where Christ says that I and the Father are one. We are one. Praise God, we have the scriptures in common. They actually affirm the Old and the New Testament as God's word. The caveat that they'll say is that we believe God's word insofar as it's translated correctly. So the text, they, the translation they use is the 1611 King James Version. So what I've done when ministering to Mormons is purchased a King James Bible. And when talking with them, I've used the King James Bible to kind of prove my points. Now it's, and I would recommend that as, as you guys minister to Mormons, similarly do so. It's a bit difficult. The language is, I mean, it's, the language is 400 years old. It's not super easy language. A lot of the words are, are dead. We don't use those words anymore. My recommendation is if the language is super hard, I bought a parallel Bible. So what a parallel Bible does is it has, say, a King James translation on one page, and it'll have like an ESV, NASB, <coughs> NIV Bible uh, translation next to it. So you can kind of compare and contrast. So the, the side that you're familiar with, say ESV, is going to help you understand um, the language that's used in the KJV, or the King James Bible. So continuing with polytheism, Mormons then understand God to be a title. And this is perhaps the most startling difference as it relates to God between Mormons and Christians. God is simply a title that can be put on by anyone. Indeed, even Elohim, the God of the Bible, was a man that became a god. Similarly, Jesus was a man that became a god. This is what's called their doctrine of exaltation, which, again, is just the idea that men can become gods. Lorenzo Snow, he was the fifth president of the Mormon church after Joseph Smith passed. He, quoting Joseph Smith in what's perhaps his most famous sermon, it's called the King Follett Discourse. Um, Lorenzo Snow said, As man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. So what he's doing there is he's saying that as man is at present, God, Elohim, was. As God is now, we may become. So that's, again, that's their doctrine of what's called exaltation. But it's um, this idea of humans can progress, do progress, into becoming gods. Now, there are certain things you have to do to become a god. But again, the difference here fundamentally is that God, we believe God to have existed from uh, eternity past to eternity. We can go to Psalm 90. We can go to Isaiah 43.13 or even Romans 1.20. Mormonism understands God to be something we can become. It's logically, Mormons then believe in an infinite number of gods. Though they consider themselves monotheists because they only worship one god, Mormons are in fact polytheists because they believe in the existence of other gods. It is true, they only worship the one. But polytheism, the definition of polytheism is not you only believe in one God if you worship that one God. Polytheism is the belief that you believe in a number or plurality of gods, which Mormons in fact do. When we spend time with Mormons, we need to gently push them on Isaiah 43, where God himself says that before me, there was no God formed, nor will there be any after me. Later in that chapter, it says, You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Or the chapter after in Isaiah 44, I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God besides me. And then Isaiah 45, I am the Lord, and there is none else. 
Paul in 1 Corinthians 8, when he's talking to the Corinthian church about uh, food, sacrifice to idols, Paul says that we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world and there is no God but one. Friends, Mormons fundamentally disagree with the message of the Bible that there only exists one God who has created all things. In the Pearl of Great Price, one of their texts they view as Scripture, there's kind of a rewriting of the Genesis story. The first two chapters refer to multiple gods partaking in creating all things. Whereas if we go to Genesis, we see that there is one God who creates by him speaking. He creates by his word. As we engage our Mormon friends with the gospel and the scriptures, we have to affirm that the Lord our God is one and no gods exist beside him. So summing up this section, how do we understand God? Mormons understand God as a title, one amongst many. Uh, Christianity understands there to be one God who is the sovereign creator over all things. When we say God, we mean three persons in one being who ordains, creates, and sustains. Mormons say God, they mean it's a title, something that you can put on, something you can become. So this then makes our first communication breakdown. When we say God, there is a fundamental discrepancy or just difference on what God means. And we have to, when ministering to Mormons, we have to reconcile that difference. That when we say God, we do not mean what they mean. We mean what the Bible means. So now we're going to move to our second uh, different definition of God according to Mormonism and Christianity. And that second word is grace. So Protestant Christianity for, for centuries has understood that we are saved through faith by grace alone. We understand grace to be the unmerited, uh, which simply just means undeserved, uh, unmerited favor of God that saves us from what we do deserve. So if a person steals from me and I catch them and they go to jail, that is justice. If a person steals from me and I catch them in the act and let them go, that's mercy. But if a person steals from me and I catch them and I give them the thing that they were stealing from me from, me from that's weird. That is grace. If a person is stealing from me, I catch them in the act and I give it to them, that's grace. So justice Getting what you deserve. Mercy, not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you do not deserve. That's what we mean when we say grace. So as people who are born into sin, born separate from God, grace is what he does when he saves us from our sin. Not because of anything we've done. It's unmerited. But because he chooses to save us through Jesus Christ. So it is grace from top to bottom that saves us. He graciously chose us in Christ. Paul says such in Titus 3.5. That God saved us not because of our deeds. But according to his mercy. Mormonism however understands grace to be a bit different. When Mormons say grace. They mean something. That deals with works. Define my Mormon doctrine. Grace is divine help and strength that we receive through the atonement of Jesus. In addition, <clears throat> grace is an enabling power that strengthens us. Effort is required on our part to receive the fullness of the Lord's grace. We see an important distinction here. 
where Christianity sees grace as the saving favor of God, Mormons see grace as divine help and strength. Moreover, it takes effort on our part for us to receive its fullness. As, as a very brief aside, salvation is also is a different word according to Mormon theology. Salvation actually doesn't mean... It doesn't mean being saved from sin and death and being placed in the presence of God. Salvation is the idea. It's the kind of the culmination of exaltation. Remember the, the idea of man becoming God. Salvation is when man is put into the, the presence of God and is then, after continually serving and worshiping, you become a God and you eventually get your own planet. So salvation, again, <clears throat> another kind of a different word, but salvation here just means becoming a God. Where we understand grace as the thing that we are saved by, Mormons understand grace to be the thing they use to save themselves. Bruce Hafen, similar to Stephen Robinson, 20th century scholar, still alive today, I believe, <clears throat> did most of his writing in the 20th century, published an article on Brigham Young University's library website, same website that I was on earlier, uh, wrote that the LDS doctrine that salvation requires both grace and works is a revealed yet common sense reconciliation of these contradictory positions. The contradictory positions he's referencing is Romans 3.28, where Paul says a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, and James, in James 2.20, faith without works is dead. Of course, to say these are contradictory positions is, is simply a misunderstanding, and Christianity has known this for 2,000 years. James is not saying that we are justified by works and faith. He's saying that we're justified by a faith that plays itself out in works. That is to say that if you have true saving faith, you will have works. If you do not have works, there is a good chance you do not have true and saving faith. And Paul says as much. In Ephesians 2, Paul refers that after having been saved, we are called to walk in the good works that the Father has prepared before us. In Philippians 2, Paul's us to work out our salvation through fear and trembling, reminding us immediately after that that it is God who works who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. <clears throat> the reason that faith without works is dead, according to James, is because it doesn't produce anything. Paul agrees with this in full. If we truly have faith by the grace of God, then we will have works. As the reformers used to say, we are justified by faith alone, but that faith is never alone. The chief difference, then, between Mormonism and Christianity as it relates to grace is that in Christianity, Christians receive God's saving grace, and in response, we obey. Thus, works come after salvation. Mormonism teaches that works are necessary for salvation and come before salvation. When we spend time with Mormons, we need to help them understand their misunderstanding of James' teaching. With tender and concerned hearts, we take them to the Scriptures and gently but firmly show them that Scripture's consistent message and teaching from Genesis to Revelation is that we are made right with God by faith in Him. James is incredibly clear. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Quoting Genesis 15, 6. His works of obedience came after his justification. <coughs> Excuse me. It's <coughs> oh, going on the recording. <coughs> the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5. 
will be manifest in our lives if the Spirit is in us. But the Spirit produces these things because of the faith we have. Naturally, when we talk about being made right with God, we have to talk about how much... how. We have to talk about sin. What separates us from God? Why, why do we need to be made right with God? It's because we sin. For a bit more in-depth discussion on the Christian understanding of sin, feel free to listen to last week's lesson on Islam. You can find that on UBC's podcast, on the iTunes podcast app. Just search UBC Fayetteville, and it should be on there. It should just say, Christianity and Islam, in my name. In the end, we must lovingly show Mormons that their understanding of grace teaches that we use grace to make ourselves worthy of God. Christianity's understanding of grace is that we are made worthy by God because of Christ. So finally, we come to our, our last word, and that's, and that's gospel. Incredibly common amongst Christians and Mormons alike, this word has a chasm, perhaps the most significant difference between the two. The gospel, which comes from the Greek word, Evangelion means good news. A few weeks back, if you were here when Brad was speaking, he opened up the Gospel of Mark. He made a very significant point that in Greek literature, gospel often had to do with um, the proclamation of the victory of a king in battle. So as Christians, we define the good news, the gospel, as the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has won the battle over sin and death through his resurrection, in our place, on our behalf. Ultimately, the gospel is about how God is making all things new through the person and work of his son, Jesus Christ. And we, believing on the name of Christ, are forgiven our sins. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, using the exact same Greek word, evangelion, says that the gospel, the announcement of a victory won by a king, is Jesus dying for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and raised on the third day. The gospel, the way that we are reconciled through the forgiveness of our sins to God is ultimately about how God has redeemed and secured a people for himself in his son, Jesus Christ. That is what we say when we say the gospel, the power of God for salvation. In Mormonism... The gospel is understood as a five-step plan for salvation. Called the first principles and ordinances of the gospel, the prophet Joseph Smith boiled them down into these five things. Faith, repentance, baptism, the laying on of hands, and perseverance. The laying on of hands is just essentially where... How do I put this? They have elders in their church that, um, that, that serve, and they lay their hands on you, and they pray that you would be given the Holy Spirit. So this, uh, these elders have the ability, the power, to confer or give you the Holy Spirit should you be exhibiting faith, repentance, <clears throat> and having the water baptized. Um, they will place their hands on you, and you will be given the Holy Spirit. The gospel in Mormonism, then, is less about the story of Jesus' victory, but how we respond to that victory. <clears throat> Brigham Young, the second president of Mormonism, which, guys, crazy story. I actually don't know totally if this is true, but in eighth grade, I did a genealogy project. I may be related to Brigham Young. That's pretty cool. I think that's cool. 
So Brigham Young, again, second, my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, the second president of Mormonism after Joseph Smith was killed, said that the gospel of the Son of God that has been revealed is a plan of a system of laws and ordinances by strict obedience to which the people who inhabit the earth are assured that they may return again into the presence of the Father and the Son. So when we discuss with Mormons, we want to be sure that, that we understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is, is the message of salvation for all. Mormons agree with that statement, and Christians agree with that statement. But we have to understand the content of the gospel. The content is either about what God has done in Christ, or what we do because of Christ. Guys, the gospel has nothing to do with us. The gospel has everything to do with how God is making all things new, has made all things new, and is making all things new in His Son, Jesus Christ. The gospel is not about us. It's about God's initiative to redeem and restore all things back to Himself. We are gracious participants in that process because of His Spirit. But we are not a part of that. God does it. God has that power. We do not have that power. When we say gospel, we mean God's power for salvation. When they say gospel, they say a system of laws and ordinances so that we can obey and be with God again. We can be with God again, with God because of Christ. Not because of what we do, but because of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. That is an important distinction to make. And an important distinction for us to talk about with Mormons. So when talking with Mormons, ask them, what do you mean by the gospel? What does is, what is Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15 about the gospel? Who is Jesus? What is Jesus doing? Is, is Jesus enough to save you? What do you have to do to be sure that you're going to be with God? Is it laws and ordinances or is it a relationship with Christ through faith by the grace of God? Ask your Mormon friends what they mean when they say gospel. Asking questions is, is infinitely more important than talking. Let Mormons talk. Ask good questions. Ask them what they believe. Ask them what about the gospel, if it is in fact laws and ordinances, what about the gospel is saving? Do we lean on Christ's perfect life, his sacrifice on the cross, or do we lean on what we do, laws and ordinances, to be made right with God? Ask them. Ask them that. That separates them from God. Laws and ordinances separate them from God. We are people who have been drawn near by the blood of Christ. Praise God for that. It's not a law. It's not an ordinance. It is God himself in the form of his son. So let's briefly sum up what we've discussed. Following the understanding of uh, the important meaning gap that we have with Mormons, as made clear in the differences between these three words, God, grace, and gospel, uh, the first word was God. So we define God as the, as the uncreated creator, the sovereign king of this universe, the only God to exist. Mormonism understands God to be less of a, of a singular person, kind of more of a title. And that title is held by many beings throughout the universe. God in Mormonism was not God from all eternity. 
but once a man like you and I. Thus, in effect, Mormons are polytheistic, whereas Christianity is a monotheistic religion. The second word that we defined was grace. The gap here was that Mormons understand grace to be divine strength that enables us to produce the works of righteousness that are required to save us. We contrasted this with Christianity's understanding of grace, that grace is how we are saved through faith in Christ. Works inevitably follow salvation, but they do not save us. Christ saves us. Finally, we compared and contrasted the gospel. We understand the Christian gospel to be the proclamation of Christ's victory over sin and death through His death and resurrection, so that we may be, through faith, made alive in Him. Mormonism understands the gospel to be a system of laws and ordinances that are to be kept so that we may attain salvation. So we began discussing language. The way we communicate with one another is important. Doing so effectively is more important. If we do not agree on definitions of words and yet use those same words in conversation, we will never be able to effectively share the gospel with Mormons. As Christians, we understand that there is no salvation outside of Christ and His gospel. And if we are not able to communicate that God saves us by grace through the gospel, that if we are not able to communicate that God saves us by grace, through his gospel. The Mormons, our friends, are lost. They have to know who God is, how his grace saves them, and how it is the gospel that God uses to save us. And we, as those whom he has called to himself, we are those who are called to communicate that gospel to our friends, communicate that to those who do not know it. So let's communicate well for the glory of God and for the sake of those who do not know him. Let's pray. Father, you are a speaking God, and by your word you have created and secured for yourself a people. And I pray that you would give your spirit to your people that would be faithful and obedient to share the wonder of your gospel with those who do not know it. But Father, I pray that we would fall more and more in love with your gospel, the initiative of you to become a servant so that we may call you Father. That sweetness, that gospel, Father, I pray that we would be so enamored with it, we would gladly, joyfully share it with those who do not know it. And I pray that we, our hearts, would be, would be burdened and pricked for the sake of Mormons, those who do not know you, that are under the burden of law, that we would show them the grace that you have for us in your Son. I pray that we would be so in love with who Jesus is and what he's done for us that we gladly and quickly share that gospel. Pray these things in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen.